0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When you worship on a Sunday morning or in the car on your way to work, who are you worshiping to? That might seem like a silly question, but today Pastor Jim will explain how so many people get this expression of worship wrong. You should absolutely be worshiping, but it is critical to keep God at the center of that worship. So next time you sing a worship song, pray over a meal, or in need that's been brought to you, make sure you stop briefly to disconnect from the world and focus on God. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Luke chapter 1 as he begins his message. A present from heaven. Joy.
1: very interesting to me to hear people talk about the Bible. A lot of different ways people talk about the Bible. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing if you've gotten into those discussions. Some people are intellectual about the Bible. Well, okay, they try to be intellectual. Usually the people that are intellectual about the Bible are not that intellectual about the Bible. The Bible is one of those books where we say that the greatest minds of all times can keep digging into it and keep digging into it and keep digging into it. And yet, you know what, you may have a four-year-old tell you a gospel story around the Christmas tree or around the whatever you're doing, and you may be shocked at what they know. Others are more emotional about the Bible, maybe more feelings-oriented. Some are like this, and I'm always a little wary of this crowd. Well, you know, God said this to me, God showed this to me, God told this to me. If it's inconsistent with the scriptures, I'm always a little wary of that. Some like to argue about the Bible, I find that that's usually become just kind of a big waste of time arguing with people about the Bible, usually because the people you're arguing with don't know anything about it. Others want to know all the little facts. You ever know anybody like that? They want to know all the little facts about the Bible, all the little trivia, the stuff that the Bible doesn't even bother to tell us. So they want to go down all these kind of rabbit holes or something like that. I guess those of us who are getting older, we just don't have time for such things. We're just like, hey, do you want to know about Jesus? And we'll tell you about him. That's kind of the way uh, that goes. Another way, and there's many other ways, but a way that I find helpful personally is to really take the Bible text and to drag myself into the story. Instead of just kind of making it sort of an intellectual thing, I try to drag myself into the story, always letting God be the hero. I'm not the hero. Wherever the guy is, somebody's not really doing a great job. That's usually where I put myself in there. And I try to meet the Lord in the pages of the Bible, but I also try to experience the Lord in the pages of the Bible. Now, that is not easy to do in the passage that we just read unless we make a few adjustments. So let's just talk about some of the adjustments we need to make in this passage. Mary was probably a teenage girl. Just a quick show of hands, how many of you think I look like a teenage girl? Couldn't even get one of you. Thank you. Thank you. One, two of you. You're both uh, how old are you? Uh, 11. 11. and you're how old? Uh, seven. 11 7. So they're they're like not even 20 between them. So the rest of you don't have enough nerve to raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> I look nothing like a teenage girl. She's an unmarried virgin. She lives in Israel under the Roman Empire. The angel told her she was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit and he will be the son of God. Now I've been told that we're going to have a baby, but I was never told that he was going to be the son of God. So, so far, those brief things I've read about Mary or said about Mary, is that any of your lives? No. So how are you going to drag yourself into the story? I mean, first off, I, I begin to think about all these things. I mean, how do you tell your mother and father this story? You're a teenage girl, you come home, and you're like, mom, dad, I'm pregnant. Oh, okay. Your father's like, I'll kill him. Who's the father? It's the Holy Spirit. Hmm, how do you kill the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Not sure how you do that. How do you tell your friends? Oh, I've been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Sure, sure, yeah. And and being from a small town in a culture where out of wedlock pregnancy was not as normal as it is in ours, looked down upon by many people. How do you you deal with the gossip that goes on in this little tiny town in which you live in? You're like, there goes the girl impregnated by the Holy Spirit, (laughs) you know, just little kind of those little laughters as every time you walk by. So what do you do? I don't know. To me, it sounds like it's time for a road trip. So, so she's going to take a road trip, get out of town, and go visit her much older, probably 60-ish or older, cousin Elizabeth, who has her childbearing years. And when she gets there, surprise, surprise, she's pregnant too. So another miracle child. So now both of these women are pregnant with miracle children. By the way, I just want to just side note, but don't count this against my time. You know, we always talk about that people of like ages need to get together. So here you have a teenage girl, woman, and maybe a woman who's 60 or so. And we would think, well, they have nothing in common. But surprise, surprise, they're both pregnant. And there's absolutely outside of God, no explanation for it. And so we do have p- things in common with other people. And maybe we should be thinking, what can we learn from one another? So those of you who are younger, there are things you can learn from older people. Those of you who are, who are older, there are things you can learn from younger people to learn how people think. And so I, you know, I know young business people haven't been in business for a long time. Oh my goodness, 39 years in February. That does not include all of the little stuff I hustles I did in the neighborhood. But, you know, people are asking me about, have you ever seen really rougher economic, rough economic times? And I'm able to go through a whole bunch of different years of saying that I've seen this before. And I'm like, and I'm still here. And you'll still be here after this one, unless the Lord, of course, returns. Now, on this long trip, most scholars say it took about two to four days. See, here's the trivia crowd. Did she go alone? Okay, now. How many of your fathers, when does it, you live in a land of thieves, and that's remember we that's a lot of that going on in the roads there. How many of you, you fathers would send your teenage daughter pregnant or not, on a road trip for two to four days by herself? Would any of you do that? No, you should be arrested if you do that. So we don't know who went with her, but I'm wondering, what is she thinking as she's walking along the way? like, what is going to become of my life? I have no idea. No idea. So she arrives. And the baby in her aunt Elizabeth's belly, who happens to be John the Baptist, jumps for joy and he kicks his mama's belly. So he's like, mom, I'm getting a kick out of this. Jesus is here, man. And so he's all excited. Definitely not my life. I can't relate to any of this. I mean, I could remember the babies kicking my wife, but I don't remember any of this. You know, my life is not like this at all. Yet, in what we call the Magnificat, have any ever heard of the Magnificat? That's what they call this. Mary does something we can all do. She receives, which is the title of our message today, a present from heaven, and that present is joy. Joy, part of our series, Presence from Heaven. Her words are recorded, and interestingly enough, they are almost entirely And I'll just reference a couple here and there, but they're almost entirely Old Testament references. So she is a student of God's word. And actually, when you read this Magnificat, it actually sounds a lot like a psalm. So it seems like she's influenced by the Old Testament psalms. And you say, okay, but why is all this so important? Because if we let it, if we let it sound like a psalm, And we listen to it like a psalm. That's how we drag ourselves into the story. We don't have all of the other stuff that's going on in common with Mary, but we can listen to what she says about the Lord and we can drag ourselves into the story. You can be put right into this story. And then when you can put yourself in the story, you know what you can do? You can claim the text as your own. So how does this help my Bible reading, because it's how you take the history of the text for yourself and you become part of God's story. It's part of how you experience God himself. And so I want to go over four experiences, I think, that's here today embedded in the text. If you're taking notes, I know some of you do, if you're wondering Why, if you're not, a, you know, you're just visiting with us, like, why are these people writing stuff down? Some of them are taking notes. Some of them are writing their to-do list. Some of them realizing all the stuff they forgot to get people for Christmas, but they're trying to look very, very spiritual. Well, anyway, point number one, the experience of deep joy. The experience of deep joy. Let's look at verse 46 and 47. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Magnifies, magnificat, that's Latin. That's where we get the name from. Some versions say exalts the Lord. Another version says proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Another one says it's overflowing with praise. All language that is similar to what you see in the Psalms. Verse 47, and my spirit, now in verse 46, it was her soul in verse 47, and my spirit rejoiced, some verses say, rejoices in God, my savior. That's almost identical wording if you're taking notes to Habakkuk 3.18. So many want to get into all kinds of trivia on this. Did Mary really write this? Is it possible for a young teenage girl, teenage woman to really write this? Well, they grew up a lot faster than we do right now. And so, you know, There's certainly evidence for that. Others say, well, verse 46 says soul, and verse 47 says spirit. Oh, let's just sit around and let's talk about the difference between the soul and the spirit. And then you get into the arguments that people think they're the same thing. People, they're very different. When you drag yourself into the text, do you know what you say to yourself? You know, Mary, I just want to join you in worship. That's all I want to do. I don't want to get into all those little details and all those little rabbit trails. And you ever try to catch a rabbit? You never can. You can't. Certain animals you can catch. Where I grew up and there's tons of rabbits. You, you just, I've never caught one in my whole life. And so I just want to worship the Lord with her. And Mary realizes that worship is about the God who is. It's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's not about what we think God should do. Worship is a wonderful thing. Some of you might not like what I'm about to say, but it's all right. Worship is a vacation from us. You know what I mean? I don't mean us, but I mean, most people are about themselves. So worship is a vacation from you. That's why sometimes you come in and you you see people worshiping and I'm like, they're still too absorbed in themselves. So sometimes you see people, they're dancing. They're like, I'm like, yeah, they're into it, man. Other people are like, right? Too absorbed in themselves. Worship. Listen, I love taking vacations from myself. Some of you like, I love taking from vacations from you, Pastor Jim, too, right? <laughs> but, but it's so nice just, just to get rid of your own world just for a little bit of time. And we see that here in the midst of all the difficulty that she's in. You know, it's not just the pregnancy. It's she's an Israelite under Roman oppression in the midst of difficulty that worship through song. Psalms are often songs through the word of God and praise, what does it do? It brings her joy. She says, my spirit has rejoiced. My spirit rejoices. Now, this is not some surface joy. You know, it's not like some polite smile. You ever say to somebody, how you doing? They're like, I'm doing okay. okay. you know, you're nice people. I'm just like, well, tell your face, man, because it's just like you look like you're miserable. Why don't you just be honest? No this is not just I'm okay. This is a deep down holy Spirit empowered, soul-satisfying joy. I mean, doesn't that sound delicious, man? I mean, seriously, doesn't that sound like better than, I don't mean if you're cooking to insult your dinner, but doesn't that sound like better than anything than you will eat this weekend? The verb tense of magnifies is this, it goes like this. She magnified, she is continuing to magnify and she will keep magnifying the Lord. In other words, she is amazed at the Lord. Perhaps, I'm just guessing that deep down joy is not really experienced by many of us. Why is that? Well, maybe we need a vacation from ourselves. That could be part of it, correct? But there's other reasons too. Maybe because God is, he's just your buddy. He's just your buddy. By the way, that is not worship. Or he's the man upstairs, you know. I got his number. I'll give him a call if I need him. That is not worship. Or a popular one today is he's your forever friend. Now, okay, I am a friend of God and I want God to be my friend, but he's much more than just my friend. To true believers in the ancient world, their relationship with God was not nearly as casual as most people in the church in America are. And those of you who are older, you decide what older means, not me. I'm sure you've seen a real casualness about God develop over the years. And there's a kind of a lack of reverence. If you're a guest with us here today or you're watching online and you're a guest, you'll notice that I'm wearing a tie and a jacket. Well, I do dress this way every Sunday. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Okay, I never dress this way. I don't dress this way. I didn't dress this way when I was in the business world. When I was in the business world, I would go to work in shorts and flip-flops and a T-shirt and have a jacket in the corner for when I go need to go see customers. Everybody kind of dressed the same way. Well, we wore steel-toed boots out in the warehouse. But you see that decline that's going on. There was great honor and respect for God. I think, not for everybody, but for the true believers, I think of like Moses going up to the mountain and being told, man, take Take your shoes off. You are on holy ground. And he's like, well, it's uncomfortable with my shoes off. He doesn't say that at all. He does it. Now, you might ask, why would this young girl, this young woman, be rejoicing when things are so hard? Well, it tells us, she says it, that the deep joy comes from this. At the end of verse 47, she says, I am rejoicing in God, my Savior. She says, I find such deep, incredible joy in God, my Savior. I think for a lot of us during difficult days, for those of us who read our Bibles, we we read the Bible or we hear a sermon. I'm willing to admit this happens here quite often. And we say, that's it, God, I'm gonna trust you now. Hallelujah, I'm gonna trust you Here I go, I'm going out the door. And then we walk away and we forget what we just read. We forget what we just heard. Too many of you are nodding right now. I'm feeling really uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, some of us, we hit Route 15. You know, while I'm spiritual telling God leaving every Sunday that he's got a lot of problems because of all the problems people tell me about, we forget. We forget what, what God has told us. For most of us, it can be very hard to believe that the Lord will save and guide his people the way he did in the past. And Mary is living in a time when, if you look at your Bible, there's that Old Testament and New Testament, there's a page in between that's blank. That page took 400 years to write. The prophets have been relatively silent for 400 years. So she's living in a time when there's real, they haven't heard anything from God. And yet she... Believes it. She believes that God will do it again. And of course, that's something I need to ask you. I need to ask myself do I believe that the things that God did in the past, that He will do them again? Mary knows that she needs a Savior. She knows that that Savior is her God. God, my Savior. That's the good news that the angels will tell us about on Sunday. And interesting that Elizabeth says to Mary, I can't believe the mother of my Lord comes here. Now, we're gonna talk about Mary and her husband and God calls them righteous people. You may not have noticed in the Bible, but not too many people are given that title. They're called righteous people. And she says, why would the mother of my Lord, why would the mother of my God even come to my house? And so Mary realizes that her son Jesus is the savior and he brings her deep joy. Now having a child is a very joyful thing, but she realizes that the joy this child brings is gonna be much deeper than any other joy. That takes us to number two, the experience of personal joy. Personal joy, verse 48. For he has regarded the lowly state, some versions say the humble state, of his maidservant. That kind of reminds us that she's been reading 1 Samuel chapter 1 of Hannah. For behold, henceforth, or from now on, this is a saying you may have heard, all generations will call me blessed, or some people say blessed. Why? Verse 49, for he who is mighty or the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. More Old Testament language. Now the word maidservant's really been cleaned up by our Bibles, really been cleaned up by our Bibles. Literally, it means that she is a female slave to God and she's totally fine with it. She also says she's lowly. That means she's low in status. And we'll see the opposite of that when we get to verse 52. Yet she's low in status, but generations will call her blessed. Why will she be so blessed? She tells us why. She says, because the Lord has done great things for me. And if you drag yourself into the story, into the text, you will see, she will show you that she has done great things for you too. Although I think Mary is like all of us feel a lot of times, she probably feels seemingly insignificant in the universe. Do you ever feel that way? It's like, does anybody notice me? But she knows that God is at work in her life And she wants all of us to know that God is at work in our lives too. Sadly, some have taken the words, all generations will call me blessed or blessed, to venerate Mary. Now, for some people, that means to show her high respect. 100% okay. 100% okay. Poor Mary. Either people think she's like the greatest thing since sliced bread, and other people want to kick her to the curb. Both are incorrect views. Very incorrect views. The incorrect views are from people, not from who she's portrayed as in the Bible. So high respect, absolutely. Other people want to worship Mary. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. But notice what Mary does. Mary points us to who? To God. Mary doesn't point us to Mary. Mary points us to God so if you're really offended by Mary worshipers, don't blame her. Don't blame her. She's in heaven going, no, no, no. <laughs> right? It's not her, but but again, we are to respect her. So interestingly enough, if you call Mary blessed, what are you doing? You're praising the Lord. Why? For what the Lord did through her and because what her son enabled us to become a child of God. Notice here she points out the Lord's power and holiness, something that a teenage girl who is the laughingstock of the town, who's gonna have a very difficult life in front of her. So this is not gonna be some easy thing. But the Lord's power and holiness is something that a teenage girl has experienced. And you can experience that too. Throughout the Bible, and we say this often, and I'll say it over and over again, God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things with them. And then we've been seeing in Esther, you never know the little things that you do, what a difference they can make that's what he does with mary and that's what he will do with you but also because of his holiness which she draws attention to she says holy is his name she is experiencing the lord experiencing his power to act on
0: behalf of those who love him Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com, There, you can listen to archived broadcasts. We promise that your heart and life will be touched very specifically when you take the time to listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teachings of the Bible. Also, know that we are thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you. Through this holiday season and messages just like this one, may you find joy in the Savior Jesus Christ. He can give you peace that passes all understanding, even during this busy time. Will you make plans to join us again next time for another encouraging, comforting, and also convicting teaching of the Word of God? Please do. We hope to be with you next time here on Changed by Love.